This is Casey Thaler. I'm a National Academy of Sports Medicine Certified Personal Trainer and National Academy of Sports Medicine Certified Fitness Nutrition Specialist. I'm also a writer for Paleo Magazine, Dr. Cordain over at The Paleo Diet, Greatest, Breaking Muscle, Paleo Hacks of course, and my own company EatCleanTrainClean.com. Autoimmune Diseases and Diets. As anyone who suffers from one can tell you, an autoimmune disease is one of the worst things you can deal with on a day-to-day basis. Fatigue, fever, malaise, joint pain, and rashes are just some of the symptoms that sufferers must endure. Autoimmune diseases cover a wide range of conditions. There are many inspiring stories, such as that of Dr. Terry Walls, of people who have overcome autoimmune diseases simply by lifestyle changes. Up to 50 million Americans are affected by autoimmune diseases and traditionally they have no cure. The emotional toll that this diagnosis takes on many of those afflicted is heartbreaking. Autoimmune diseases develop when your body attacks healthy cells rather than antigens. Antigens can be bacteria, toxins, viruses, cancer cells, and other forms. Your body produces antibodies that help it to kill these antigens. When you suffer from an autoimmune disease, your immune system cannot distinguish between healthy cells and antigens destroying healthy cells. This can happen in multiple body tissues. Besides traditionally having no cure, autoimmune diseases also do not have an accepted cause. There are a few theories that try to explain the causes of these diseases. One theory is that microorganisms or drugs might cause changes that confuse the immune system. This may be happening due to genetic factors. Genetics certainly may play a role in autoimmune diseases. FOXP3 is one gene that seems to play a central role in regulation of immune responses to self-antigens, allergens, and other microbiota. By better understanding this gene, there may be hope for better understanding of autoimmune diseases. A recent study in mice actually had researchers stop an autoimmune disease. The experiment stopped diabetes and multiple sclerosis in its tracks. The hope is that one day this may be translational to humans. Autoimmunity is mediated by a variety of mechanisms. This can be molecular or cellular. There are a few other elements potentially involved in autoimmunity. Tumor necrosis factor alpha is one of them. By blocking the action of TNF-alpha, researchers have shown the potential therapeutic effects in autoimmune diseases. However, it ultimately remains that there is no accepted cure or cause for autoimmune diseases. This is where dietary intervention can potentially be beneficial. Though the science may seem somewhat bleak, there are many wonderful stories of people putting these diseases into remission simply by changing their diet and lifestyle. If you haven't seen it already, I highly recommend you watch Dr. Terry Walls' amazing story of vastly improving her multiple sclerosis. When dealing with an autoimmune disease, the standard paleo diet is a good starting place. This means consuming foods like meats, vegetables, fruits, healthy fats. This also means limiting foods like dairy, grains, legumes, and processed foods. While consuming a strict paleo diet is a good starting place if dealing with an autoimmune disease, it is a good idea to also limit the following foods for at least 30 days. Nuts, seeds, nightshades, eggs, peppers, and spices. Why should one avoid these foods? While not directly spelled out in the literature, they are foods which contain inflammatory or disruptive compounds. An example of this would be a study found in the glycoalkaloids found in potatoes, a nightshade. Eggplants are another food that are found in the nightshade family. Interestingly, nicotine is found in an eggplant. It has the highest concentration of nicotine found in any food, second only to tobacco. However, the concentration found in eggplant is much lower. Regarding eggs, the lysozyme protein seems to cause most problems related to autoimmunity. The egg white specifically can be problematic. This study outlines the molecular mimicry process that may be at work. 
Dr. Cordain, one of the authors of that study, goes further to outline that in order for any food proteins to potentially cause or promote an autoimmune disease, it must survive the human digestive process, cross the gut barrier intact, and interact with the immune system in a manner suspected of causing autoimmune disease. As he states, there are a number of egg proteins that meet these requirements. This is why eggs would be a food to avoid on an autoimmune protocol. Nuts are a little harder to justify as a food to remove, at least on the basis of science. As excellently explained by Dr. Ballantyne, there is no scientific evidence that the lectins in nuts and seeds cross an intact gut barrier or prime the immune system. If one is to look at the phytic acid argument, it makes sense to only limit nut consumption, not eliminate nuts entirely. In fact, Dr. Walls and Dr. Gordain both barely suggest the removal of nuts when dealing with autoimmune disease. However, they don't endorse their consumption either. Nuts may be the last food you try to remove when dealing with an autoimmune disease. They still may cause digestive problems, allergies, or food sensitivities. Those with autoimmune diseases are more likely to have food allergies. Peppers contain capsaicin, which is a gut irritant. It can be difficult to determine which other spices may be problematic. Some come from the nightshade family, which could obviously be an issue. The best spices to avoid are red pepper, chili pepper flakes, curry, paprika, and cayenne. Seeds can also be problematic for many of the same reasons as peppers. Seeds to avoid include, but are not limited to, sesame seed, celery seed, nutmeg seed, coriander seed, cumin seed, dill seed, fennel seed, mustard seed, poppy seed. Lastly, some sources recommend consuming no more than 20 grams of fructose per day when dealing with an autoimmune condition. There doesn't seem to be much documentation for that, but I do agree that it's a good general health guideline. The world's obsession with fructose is truly getting out of hand. Though there are by no means supplements that can claim any kind of reliability in treating autoimmune diseases, there are lots of interesting studies which hopeful sufferers can try. It should go without saying that diet and lifestyle are much more important than supplements. However, supplements may provide the last 10% that can help. Dr. Terry Walls has even stated that without her supplement regimen, she couldn't get out of bed. It is, of course, important to make sure studies involving supplements are properly done. Ideally, they should be in vivo, meaning they are tested in living, whole organisms. This is in contrast to in vitro. The first study that may prove of some interest is one involving omega-3 fatty acids. DHA, or docosahexaenic acid, is the best form of omega-3 since it retroconverts into EPA. Docosahexaenic acid tends to have anti-inflammatory properties and therefore might be useful in the management of autoimmune diseases. The second study of interest is one involving L-carnitine. Here, researchers showed that L-carnitine was able to prevent regulated cell death and damaged nerves. This is amazing information to have and shows how supplements can help slow and even possibly reverse autoimmune symptoms. The next study is one involving coenzyme Q10. Coenzyme Q10 exerts anti-inflammatory properties, as is often listed in autoimmune protocols. Another study reports similar benefits. Arguably misrepresented as a supplement, some argue it should be a vitamin, CoQ10 is required for the proper function of many organs along with multiple chemical processes in the body. While there is no accepted cause or cure for autoimmune diseases, I hope I have outlined some potential methods to try and help with symptoms. There is no reason that someone suffering from autoimmune disease can't have a better quality of life. I am of the opinion that any and all methods should be tried if it means a potential cure or at least an improvement of symptoms. Paleo Hackers, you just heard him read the article, and now he's here today to kind of give us a SparkNote version, <clears throat> cover some things we didn't get to go over in the article. Um, Casey Thaler, Thaler, correct? Correct. All right, Thaler with us. He's been on here on the show before, four times, and these article casts are cool, so we're bringing him back. Casey, today we're talking about autoimmune disease and diets. Well, that was awkward. Sorry. 
That's okay. I thought you were going to ask a question. I know. Sometimes I just cut out and I'm like, your turn. Hot potato. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so autoimmune disease and diets. Let's just start with the very basic. Um, how are those two linked together? Uh, well, for starters, there's 50 million people in the world affected by autoimmune diseases. So it's a pretty big topic that has a lot of, uh, a lot of people that are affected and you know don't really know how to cure it because there is no cure technically for autoimmune diseases. So uh, there's lots of things you can do in your diet that actually make autoimmune diseases worse or exasperate the effects uh, and vice versa. There's a lot of things you can do to make it better. And a lot of people simply don't know hmm. uh, which foods to eat and which foods not to eat. Okay. And so they're linked together, but I, I guess a better question for the person listening, first experience with autoimmune disease, what is an autoimmune disease? Sure, and that's a common question. A lot of people don't even know uh, what that is. So uh, basically, your body uh, fights off things, like you know, when you're sick, that's what most people think of that. Uh, and it also obviously lets the healthy cells thrive and continue to be in existence. But an autoimmune disease kind of gets that confused, and your body can't distinguish between the healthy cells and the bad guys. So it starts attacking healthy cells instead of the antigens, which would be like bacteria, toxins, viruses, cancer cells, sure. etc. Sure. Okay. And then I know there's two kind of uh, categories of autoimmune disease, and the first one being genetically acquired, so something you're born with. But then the second mm-hmm. one is is you can acquire it over time, whether it be Lyme disease with a tick or whether it be a food intolerance. Is that is that correct? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Most of most people are familiar with the uh, inborn autoimmune diseases like type uh, type one diabetes and that sort of thing. So. Okay. Um. So with the uh, acquired autoimmune diseases, what are some examples of uh, those? Like ones you can pick up over time? Uh, like Lyme disease would be a good one. Uh, some things you can develop uh, later in life that aren't genetic. Um, I guess Crohn's disease is possible to accumulate later in life, that sort of thing. Uh, there's plenty of things like that. So Okay. Is leaky gut an autoimmune disease? Uh, it's related. So everything they've ever studied as far as leaky gut, they've noticed that, um, I'm sorry, everything they've studied as far as autoimmune disease has found that leaky gut has been there, but they haven't studied every autoimmune disease for the presence of leaky gut. So it seems like it's either a cause or effect. They're not really sure which yet uh, in the scientific literature, but it is very, very closely related. So if you have a leaky gut, the chances are you might be leaning towards an autoimmune disease um but it doesn't necessarily mean you have one so it's a tricky uh tricky area there like there's no black and white answer yeah navigating that can be really hard and and that's one of the things with autoimmune diseases i mean we just said you know there's 50 million in the united states uh, affected by them and it seems like all autoimmune diseases are different you know lyme's disease it's from a tick and it's completely different than leaky gut and completely different than um, you know, alopeciitis. So whatever disease we're talking about, do they have similarities in how they manifest? I'd imagine there'd be some things that are similar amongst them all. Yeah, basically, um, first of all, like the healthy cells being attacked is obviously a key overlapping feature. And then inflammation is a big problem. So basically, they're all sort of forms of inf- inflammation in one uh, form or another. So oh. like even small stuff like um, Dry skin can be a problem if it's excess dry skin. Uh-huh. Um, rheumatoid arthritis, obviously, later in life can be a problem, but there it's inflammation again. So you can see that um, basically the inflammation and the body attacking itself are probably the two main overlapping uh, problems that you'll see across all of them. So, so I'll just take uh, some. I'll just take some Tylenol and be good, right? 
Well, yeah, actually, a lot of people suffer from stuff and end up taking maybe not necessarily Tylenol, but take a lot of medications and don't really realize what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, I anecdotally know plenty of people that have like Crohn's disease and they yeah. take really bad uh, medications and have to rotate them actually because they're so heavy. And they don't do anything with their diet, which is really interesting to me because there's plenty of stuff they could do that would almost put that into remission. So, yeah. um, so would it be you know, would, it, would it be more of like an anti-inflammatory diet approach then, if the problem is really inflammation? Yeah, and it's one of those cases where you actually have to really follow the diet too. You can't like buy in like eighty twenty and think everything's going to get better. You'll okay. probably see very little uh, result from that. So, like a really strict paleo diet, so meats, veggies. Some fruits, some aren't allowed actually, and healthy fats, and that's pretty much it. Um, so you're cutting out the dairy, the grains, the legumes, the processed foods. Plus, uh, you want to play around with having no nuts or seeds, nightshades, eggs, peppers, and spices. So some people can do okay with some, and others have to cut them all out. So okay. it's a highly individualistic thing. Is there any specific foods to avoid, even if you don't have an autoimmune disease that can kind of trigger these, or you're more susceptible to acquiring one? Oh, sure. Pretty much like the all-American diet, right? The Western diet. Um, I don't know if you saw CNN yesterday, but they had a new article that just said why the Western diet is killing you. And it was like they're finally – like the mainstream's finally catching up on some of this stuff. But um, yeah, anything that's going to provoke inflammation. So that's like 90% of what Americans eat, right? Like no vegetables, fast food, hamburgers, lots of sugar, all that stuff is going to provoke inflammation and also change your gut bacteria, which can provoke inflammation as well. So So the gluten, the dairy, the processed things, the sugars. Yep. And you have to cut it all out too. If you have an autoimmune disease, it's a pretty rough uh, buy-in. You have to really get rid of everything like all the time. You can't do it like 95-5. You have to do it 100%. So, And then you have to wait, which is hard for a lot of people. I've had a lot of people come in and they don't see any results really after like a week or two. They might notice a couple things, but they don't really see like life-changing results and they don't see the course. So um, that's they're like a week or two away from getting really good results. Mm. So it's really frustrating to me uh, just the anecdotally from working with people directly. It's crazy how much people put up with, you know, we have such high pain thresholds um, as humans and we're just so comfortable being uncomfortable and we don't really know how what health feels like until we actually go through that so i can totally see where you're coming from when you know it can be frustrating if a client comes in and and two weeks later they don't see results so they go back to the way they're eating because i don't know it's not that bad um they don't really feel the effects of the health benefits of eating healthy until maybe even a month later and so they don't know they don't even know yeah, that's, I mean, that's really true. And what's really sad also is that some of these diseases take a long time to become really destructive. Um, mm. Like Dr. Terry Wallace, obviously, most people are familiar with. And her story is just so sure. striking because it came on so quickly. Like she said, she was fine one minute and then like a month later, she couldn't get out of bed. Um, but a lot of people, these are slow deteriorations. So until they see something that really cures them, like in one or two days, they tend to kind of ignore things. And yeah is really really bad um and the human body is really adaptable we can get used to anything but unfortunately a lot of these people get used to feeling really horrible (laughs) like you said and they don't even realize that they're not feeling very good um until much later in life when it's much harder to turn these things around so and we had dr walls on the podcast for those of you listening right now if you want to check that show out i think it was like a year ago so it might not be on itunes but it's definitely on our blog site under the podcast section uh, or you can just enter the search bar, Terry Walls, from the Walls Protocol. Really fascinating stuff, though, with autoimmune diseases. I know, um, I mean, they can be a really big 
inconvenience in your life, in your health. I mean, sometimes, too, it can be things like frequent diarrhea or balding. I mean, some of these can be publicly embarrassing issues that come from uh, just what you eat and the inflammation and, and all that stuff. So how, how have you seen people kind of resolve this? Obviously, with the 95-5 diet or whatever that doesn't work, they have to go 100%. But what are some things you can do to kind of reduce these, maybe even not diet-related? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that can bring on autoimmune bouts and that sort of thing. Uh, but basically, treat it, I mean... What you have to kind of tell people because the Western world is so uh, screwed up as far as the way we look at medicine and health is you have to treat it like a really, you know, a really bad disease. If they're not having terrible symptoms day in and day out, they might not take it that seriously. Yeah. But you have to treat it like it's a really heavy disease, like it's cancer or something like that. So you have to follow the diet 100% for sure all the time. No gaps or anything like that. No cheats. And then you have to get a lot of sleep and you have to keep your stress pretty low. Um, you know, just really take this stuff religiously. So like the paleo approach can be a little bit inhibiting for some people if you follow it strictly, but if you have an autoimmune disease, you totally have to follow it strictly and Mm. as close as you can to perfection, because that's, what's going to give you results. So like Hashimoto's disease, for example, you have to follow it a hundred percent and even pull out some foods that I might not have mentioned. So, um, you know, it's a lot of it's individualistic too. So it takes time and it takes patience and that can be very hard for people to deal with, uh, in addition to all the other stress in their life. So. And you're screwed. If you have one, you're screwed. There's no getting better. So <clears throat> your life's going to suck. And uh, you heard it here on the Paleo Hacks podcast, and there's no resolution. No, man. So, so how uh, this, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for this. People can get better. Um, generally, how long does that take? And, and uh, Go ahead. Yeah, how long does that take? It's not going to be uh, one or two days, that's for sure. But some of these things can get turned around in as few as, I don't know, I would say like three to six months, depending on what you're dealing with. Oh, wow. uh, some, some can take longer. It depends. Um, but like, again, what, what ones are really easy to clear up right away? Like the three to six month ones? Uh, like the low grade stuff like psoriasis and that sort of thing where you, it's not ter- it's not like altering your entire lifestyle. It's just pretty uncomfortable. Um, so... <laughs> But the, obviously, the more severe ones, they may go into remission, or you might be able to wipe out most of the symptoms, but they might not ever go away forever. Like so that's ha- Hashimoto's or alopeciitis or Lyme yeah, disease. Yeah, multiple or- sclerosis, that sort of thing can okay. be pretty debilitating, as most yeah. people know. So um, you don't, I don't want to like promise like the world to people here to yeah. sell snake oil. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they can get a lot of improvement, and I'm, I just want more people to be aware of that, I guess. For sure, dude. Message. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for reading your article. Fascinating stuff. I know people got uh, a lot out of it. The inflammation thing's a big takeaway. You know, the, a lot of it is linked to inflammation. So no matter what you have, you'll be better off if you can reduce inflammation. And there's things coming out now like ice baths and cryotherapy or just, you know, getting more sleep and, and doing all that stuff, which are, are topics for another day. But um, that was a big takeaway for me. So thanks. No problem.